Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Optimistic Curmudgeon. I'm your host, Josh Herring. Today, my guest on The Optimistic Curmudgeon is Dr. Don Devine. Dr. Devine is a columnist and author, uh, the senior scholar at the Fund for American Studies. Uh, he has the honor of holding uh, a unique title as Ronald Reagan's, quote, terrible swift sword of the civil service. He's a leading scholar on the administrative state, and he is most recently the author of The Enduring Tension, Capitalism and the Moral Order. Uh, you can find Dr. Devine's books on Amazon, and we'll also link those in the show notes. Don, thank you so much for coming on The Optimistic Curmudgeon. My pleasure. <laughs> Well, I have to tell you, I'm really excited about our conversation today, uh, in part because for the past several years, I keep running into students who have the same problem. They are fundamentally convinced that if we need to have a social good be accomplished, we need to have justice be given to a group that has suffered injustice, we need to have healthcare reform, we need to have some kind of change. They believe that the best way to do that, the most efficient, uh, the most timely, and the most fair to all parties involved is to give that job to the federal government and usually to create a particular bureaucratic agency to accomplish that goal. So I'd love for you to tell us, do you think that, is that true? Is the, is the U.S. federal government the best way to accomplish some good in our society? No, it's the worst way. I mean, it, it's the largest bureaucracy in the world, maybe outside of China or, the, or Russia, but uh, it, it's an impenetrable institution, uh, and I'll quote the Brookings Institution, which is a progressive liberal uh, organization, in fact, the original one, uh, uh, and uh, their top uh, expert on uh, public administration says that our uh, uh, government cannot, quote, faithfully execute the law, unquote. Now, that's from the Constitution. That's what it's supposed to be, to be able to faith uh, execute the law. We can't do it anymore. The bureaucracy, I, I make the analogy uh, uh, to uh, tremendous rock, uh, the rock of Gibraltar, all right? Think of that. Uh, and at the very top is the president and the heads of his agencies. Uh, and you go all the way down that enormous thing, and at the bottom is where the people are. And the basic problem is that the organization cannot communicate from the top to the bottom. A famous expert uh, named Ludwig von Mises wrote a book for Yale University Press uh, many years ago uh, in which he's talked about the different ways of organizing between government and private sector. In the private sector, uh, if you want to look down that big rock to see what's going on with all the little subdivisions uh, below you, and there are many fewer in the private sector than the government. You can look at each level without understanding a lot about exactly what's going on, ask, are you making a profit or not? If you're making a profit, then you keep going and do more. If you don't, aren't making a profit, you get rid of it or change it or something. In the government, First of all, it's totally different. If you find out it isn't working, you spend more money on it to solve the problem. All right, so first of all, the motivation is wrong. But on the other, the problem is the institutional way of looking at each level below it is a, a, a called a performance appraisal system in which each level of the organization rates itself on how well it's doing. 
Well, first of all, there's a conflict of interest. You don't want to say that you're doing badly. And secondly, most people don't like to be told they're not doing it well. So if you're working in a bureaucracy and they can't tell whether you're making it or not, obviously the impetus is to expect it. Jimmy Carter ran for president just before Ronald Reagan did, and he won based on saying that he was going to make the bureaucracy work. He said, I support all the progressive liberal programs, but they're not working. Nobody gets fired. Everybody gets the same high rating. And he did fix it. And I walked in, I was Ronald Reagan's head of the bureaucracy, and they had already fixed everything up for me. Uh, and we had a, a decent performance appraisal. Now it's still everybody, but they were nervous because we put in easy ways to get rid of them, have their pay based on performance. And again, Carter gets all the credit for it. I just was there to do it. So we did it for about four years. Well, then five years goes on, and well, it goes start reverting back. And I went into government uh, just recently uh, uh, back as an expert and looked at it. It's so much worse now. Everybody gets the same high ratings again. It's, it's back to where it was. Now, anyone that would do anything you could do any other way that should do it that way. I mean, anything. Now, of course, what would we do? Instead of this bureaucratic center, our founding uh, founders created an institution that was multiple levels, all right? Federalism, we call it, all right? There's a, there's a government uh, in Washington, and in the Constitution, there's only 18 things that are specified <laughs> that the federal government's supposed to do. All right. The rest is supposed to be done by the state or the local governments or by private uh, institutions and associations and families and all that great variety out there that when the great uh, expert Alexis de Tocqueville came over and looked at America uh, early 19th century, uh, uh, he was sent by France to say, what does their legal system look like uh, going through the country? And he goes around the country. There is no legal system for the whole country. Uh, all right. All right? He, he says these people are governing themselves at their local level and private or, or local government institutions. Uh, and that's how this country became so great. And how the Tocqueville and the rest of the world said, hey, this is something different here. This is making government work where the people are. It's trusting the people where they live to do it. Fortunately, uh, in the late 19th century, uh, the most influential uh, person since our founders, uh, uh, Woodrow Wilson, uh, think of as a, a president, but before president, he was president of uh, uh, Princeton University, and he and the other intellectual leaders of the time, the founders of the major uh, new uh, institutions, uh, uh, higher education. Wilson himself goes over to Prussia, which is the greatest country at the time, it doesn't even exist anymore, or in Germany now, right? Uh, and he says, hey, this works. The king and the chancellor decide they're going to do something, they do it. And look what they do. They run everything so efficiently from the, the national level with this new institution of bureaucracy. Hey, this is really a great way to run stuff. 
And he comes back and he writes a thing, I, a book I had to read to Stillen when I was in graduate school. Uh, uh, it's so important and so changing uh, that, that the fundamental problem, he says, with the Constitution is that it divides power rather than bringing it together to do good. And that is the same idea your students have that speak to you, that think that all this work. That has been a view of the world that has been growing uh, ever since that time. I mean, Wilson himself becomes uh, president of the United States. What else could a leading academic becomes president of the United States for two terms? He makes tremendous changes. The, the main institution today of economic regulation, the uh, uh, Federal Reserve System, the banking system, is the first thing he's, one of the first things he signs when he comes into office. That same institution. But to that institution, what today? Just a couple of weeks ago, the, the chairman of the Federal Reserve comes to Congress and says that monetary policy, which is they're supposed to use to make the whole economy run, Monetary policy can't do it anymore. We got to rely on you to spend to, to create a, a healthy economy. Uh, so he backs spending six trillion dollars. The head of the Federal Reserve. This system is breaking down. That's the interesting uh, uh, opportunity for, especially for young people today. You are going to see these institutions break down in your lifetime. I'm too old. I'm not. Uh, but I can see the beginning of it. You are going to have to deal with all of the fundamental institutions that, that Wilson's Progressive Revolution uh, put in, the Federal Reserve, uh, the whole regulatory system uh, kicks in with him, the income tax. I mean, the first real, real trying to run an economy, the Agriculture Society, which was the main uh, wealth-producing institution at the time, especially where most people were working. Um, these are all started under him, and they're all falling apart. And again, all right, I'm a conservative uh, kind of guy, uh, but I am quoting, not me, but I'm quoting the, the top person uh, in public administration in the country uh, who's at the, the Brookings Institution. Uh, um, the fact is we cannot faithfully execute the laws, and we can't because this federal bureaucracy cannot even communicate uh, with each other. Uh, we have several agencies dealing with every problem. I forget the exact numbers, but something like 17 different agencies that are trying to fix poverty, all right? And they all have different ideas, and they all clash with each other. Back when Reagan was president, uh, people thought the government worked. Nobody does now. You know, look at the Gallup poll, all right? Now, maybe the younger people uh, do. I don't know. Uh, but, but if they do, they're not going to do it long. I mean, in some ways, I hope Biden is right. I mean, put his $6 trillion, I guarantee it isn't going to work, and it isn't going to satisfy anybody. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's going to rush this change, I think, that is right down the line that... Uh, the next generation uh, uh, are going to have to deal with. It's going to be tough, but I'm in long-term optimism because I think, first of all, 
it's so obvious Biden is going to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. I think it's very possible it would be a two-thirds majority in both houses and a Republican president after 2024. question to me is whether we're going to make big enough changes. Making little twiddles is not going to work. Giving a couple more authorities to the Federal Reserve. No, we've got to put do something dramatic, like going back to using a gold standard to limit it. I mean, right now, the Federal Reserve can just make money, uh, <laughs> paper, all right? They used to have to have some outside standard that they worked uh, towards, uh, and gold notes, other materials, there are different ways to do it, but we've got to make big changes. And the regulatory authority, we've got to turn the regulatory agencies into neutral bodies uh, and ha have it at a judicial decision rather than having the big federal government against whoever little person they're picking on. Uh, it's got to be a legal rather than a bureaucratic decision. And yes, we got to worry about pollution and, and all other kinds of problems, but the way we deal with it, we don't have to give the government the big stick and the average citizen have to prove against the entire, when they're in court, they're, they're, this is the government of the United, this is the people of the United States against you. It should be, you did something wrong, I sue you, and we work it out. Now, we still do a lot of that way too, but uh, <laughs> that is the way it was set up. You know, we have such a, a wonderful institution and, and such a, a legacy uh, going back to uh, founders and the, the, the main philosopher that they relied on, John Locke. What should law be according to John Locke? They should be rules based on established, settled, known law established by common sense, not to be varied in particular cases, but to have one rule for the rich and poor, the favorite of court, the countrymen at plow. I mean, it's supposed to be a system based on the people. Uh, and our founders, this is the main person they relied on in setting this constitution. This constitution is, is the greatest thing in the world. Yes, we go back uh, in England, the Magna Carta. One of the, one of the great stories, uh, an English uh, uh, parliamentarian came over here on the 800th anniversary uh, of Magna Carta. And he gave a talk, and it knocked me off, I put it in my book, I love it. He said, in England, this is the 800th year and the first time we're uh, putting up a thing on the Magna Carta mm. uh, to celebrate it. Now, why? Because, you know, when you have kings and stuff, you don't want to know the Magna Carta, you're dividing power <laughs> up, uh, all right? Oh, we have it all. The Magna Carta says, no, the people have it, and, and all different... Parts of society uh, have different uh, uh, ability to, to have power and make decisions. Uh, he said, but you know, the crazy thing, we don't have it in England, but he says, I haven't been in one city in America that doesn't have some kind of shrine to the Magna Carta. <laughs> I mean, and, and just look back to the colonial days. Lord Baltimore tried mm. to get the Magna Carta put in his... Uh, 
uh, Rhode Island leader tried to put it in his, and William Penn did put it in his. Uh, that idea of dividing power rather than bringing it together is what made Western civilization, is what made us so great. And, and we've been running downhill since uh, Wilson by putting more and more up at the top and have the experts and so-called scientists making all of our decisions for we've got to go back and let people make their own decisions and locality. We have so destroyed, under principles of, of progressivism, we've destroyed local government. We think, when you think of local government, we think of cities or uh, counties. Uh, because those are as bureaucratic as the feds almost. Uh, we need to get real local government. And to the degree we have local government, you know, it's interesting, it's private sector. That's what's called the Homeowners Association. <laughs> right? Right? Uh, more That's, people oh. in America live in a Homeowners Association than live in cities of over 200,000 people. I mean, uh, we, we have that out there, but they're always subject to the county or the state or the feds, uh, and usually all three of them at the same time, mm -hmm. and with different ideas of what you should be doing. Uh, you can't escape this stuff. So I think we're going to have a, an incredible revival of federalism. Uh, my, my old boss, Ronald Reagan, who I just love Ronald Reagan, uh, he said federalism is the secret to the success of the United States. And I believe that. When England was great, it was decentralized. When Europe was great, the Holy Roman Empire, which was not holy, but Roman wasn't an empire, the Holy Roman <laughs> Empire was a federal system to lasted a thousand years. This idea of the West that dividing power makes things work better than somebody trying to run it all from the center. That is the central idea of Western civilization and, and again, that's this book. <laughs> I had not thought of it in, the, in these terms before, but the administrative state is really a question of how do we arrange power? We can either centralize it, but I love your, your Rock of Gibraltar analogy because it reminded me of a, uh, uh, years ago I did a Chinese history course and uh, one of the many emperors that we covered in that course uh, established the initial Chinese bureaucracy and he did that through copious letter writing. But uh, in, I think, if I'm remembering this correctly, his system was to have a governor of each province, and that governor had almost total authority in that province. So the emperor would write about 40 to 50 letters in a given time period, one to each administrator, each governor. But then that governor would, but because it was a flat system, he could do that through that kind of communication. But if the analogy you're describing is this dense rock... <laughs> With all of these different layers and levels and departments and, and subheads, and uh, it's too complicated for it to be managed in a top-down system. So in that yeah, sense, and a top-down system can work better in a simpler system. Uh, and as our society gets, it, it, it used to be the thought was from the left that, uh, well, you know, we could have a little national government when we were we didn't know anything. Now we're so advanced. It's just the opposite. The more complicated it gets, you know, the great, great philosopher, F.A. Hayek, complexity is the dominant fact of life, and that idea of complexity is totally lost in a bureaucratic system because it has to assume simplicity. It has to 
use deterministic processes for uh, complicated goals. And again, you need some federal government, obviously. Uh, you need to run a, a Department of Defense and uh, other institutions at the national level. Uh, but A, you can do them better ways, uh, uh, and B, you can do most of them better someplace else, closer well, to where people Part are. of that seems to me also that there is something that seems to be in the nature of either the federal government as a whole or a part of it, where people who are given a particular kind of power that exists in that office that's not easily removed or easily checked, they tend to spread beyond their specific purpose. I'm thinking particularly of a book I read several years ago where Wendy McElroy is a Canadian uh, scholar. She describes a lot of problems with Title IX enforcement in the American universities, where when American universities would have issues of uh, sexual harassment, well, the way that Title IX was enforced under the Obama administration through the Department of Education, universities were incentivized to handle that internally. And we're dealing with actual crimes that the legal system exists to deal with. Uh, Title IX departments were handling that internally, which is not their purpose or their function or their training. So you get, you get a, she describes hundreds of cases across the American university system where sexual harassment problems were sort of brushed away and ignored instead of taken to the proper authorities. Now, would you see that? Is that a common problem where one, uh, one, one agency sort of expands their reach and says, oh, we're also going to deal with this, that, and something else instead of their original purpose? Or is that, just a, is that limited to just certain issues? The problem is they're given a responsibility solve this problem. And, and I don't blame the bureaucrats. I mean, it's uh, Congress and the, the president who gives them the... I mean, we do it all wrong. What happens? Congress passes a law that basically says to the bureaucrat, do good in this area, all right? And, and here's $50 billion to do it with, all right? Then it goes to the agency, and most people don't know it. There's a whole new legal system that exists. It's called the uh, uh, Government Regulations, uh, um, CFR. It's much bigger than the legal code, it is, but it is the code that actually is used to run the government, make decisions. So the bureaucrats are given this impossible goal. Go out and make everybody fine, all right? Uh, and then they sit down and they write up a whole bunch of things how to do it. And they're experts and they try to do it well, and they come out with some result. Well, that result doesn't make everybody good uh, and solve all the problems. So then they start doing something else and they go further and further and that's how they keep going out and bumping into new things. Uh, you know, the fact is people aren't perfect, right? Uh, uh, and that's what we're expecting. That's unrealistic. I mean, mm. decentralization makes sense because it's closer to dealing with reality. I mean, people making all these decisions, they all live in Washington, D.C., and, you know, a hundred miles around it, all right? The rest of the country. I remember a famous, uh, long time ago, magazine study that showed the New Yorkers' view of America. Uh, New York took almost the whole country as a desert, and there's the Hollywood at the other end. That's America. All right, America to the to the D.C. is the same. Only it's D.C. that's the whole country, and there's a bunch of local yokels out there, and we're running everything. 
We've got to get government back to where it is the people. And even for a practical matter, I mean, look how America is divided today, the red and blue states. Uh, why don't we allow the red states to do what they want to do and the blue states what they want to do? And what do we want to do, provoke a revolution? I mean, this is not the way to run government. And that's what our founders understood. If you decentralize problem, you decentralize conflict. Now, unfortunately, they missed one big thing, is slavery, all right? And what was the result? Forcing everybody to do it was a, a great war. Maybe it was necessary. I think we could have avoided it if we were serious about it. You know, in, in almost every slave state, uh, I think maybe minus one or two, uh, there were uh, laws offered, I know, in my state, Charles Carroll or Carroll, uh, put to, in a bill that didn't pass. Uh, Maryland was the third largest slave state uh, at the beginning to eliminate uh, slavery over a 20 or 30 year period. It probably would have happened slower, maybe never happened. Uh, well, it would happen because it just is a system that doesn't fit with our, our way of looking at things. And we, we had to get uh, rid of it. And unfortunately, we used power then and uh, it worked to a degree, although nobody's satisfied with it. Uh, uh, today, uh, but we can't use it to solve every problem. We're going to have a war over everything. But we have a great system. Uh, there are problems with it still, uh, but the basic idea of dividing power is what made Western civilization in America great. Uh, it's that simple. But certainly, looking back over human history, that, that does... I think of the, our, the school that I, I work at, we begin our ninth grade sequence, at, our, our history sequence begins in uh, the ancient Near East, and you have the, the God King model who is both, uh, he's, he's got divine authority and, and the excellence of humanity, and it sort of moves its way from there. Uh, so I, I, I see the point, I see what you're saying about dividing power being very key. I want to, as we're kind of shifting towards the, the close of our conversation today, it Seems like if I kind of summarize this, if I'm following your argument correctly, our current stat, the status quo of the U.S. federal government is this big lumbering beast. And it seems that it is the tendency of most administrations to add to the size and the complexity of the beast, such that it's harder and harder to see the original core within this conglomeration of a government made up of agencies and laws and legal codes and administrative regulations so with that, Dr. Devine, uh, probably my, I think my next to last question is this. Uh, if, say, if you had the power to prune the American administrative state, what would you remove, what would you leave intact, and why? I'd go back to the Constitution, look at the 18 things we're supposed to be doing at the national level, and do those 18 things and send the rest back to the states, the localities, or the private sector. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, I would fix the 18 too, but uh, like the Federal Reserve, uh, which is even questionable whether that's even in the 18, but banking is, but or monetary is, well, well they were thinking of gold. But uh, there are reforms for them too. Uh, um, and, and the reforms Jimmy Carter put in, uh, we could try putting them back in again. You know, actually separate people if they're not doing well. Make, take the performance appraisal system as creaky as it is and against human nature. You could make it work better than it does. So the, 
there's a lot of things we can do to do that. I mean, for example, I mean, the, the Department of Defense is almost half of the, the bureaucracy. Uh, we need to make that work, but we've got almost the same problems there as we have. Uh, they were always better, and I, I, as I say, I went back in again. I hadn't really got a chance to get into deep in the defensive uh, side of the operation, but it looks like they really need a shake-up, too. One of the things, uh, when Donald Rumsfeld, he, he tried to put in some real changes, too. Uh, we actually put some of the Carter reforms into legal effect uh, for a while. Uh, Congress took them out. I mean, nobody likes a, a system where you... The only thing you have is this performance appraisal and people are evaluating each other, but. But you, you make some people mad if you say you're not doing things I, well. Uh, in the private sector, you're forced to do that because mm-hmm. uh, you're going to go out of business if you don't. Well, the government can't go out of business. So they, they don't want to uh, rate people uh, correctly. They don't do it. And people that aren't working just sit in the corner. Or I mean, how can you rely on a system that has, has no way of evaluating, who doesn't fire anybody, uh, uh, rates everybody wonderful. Uh, I mean, as I say, Jimmy Carter got elected on that issue alone. So there's a lot you can do to fix the government, but the main thing you need to do is to get uh, decisions, most decisions, back where, where people, ordinary people are. I think it's possible. In fact, I think the more complicated it gets, uh, the, the less the bureaucracy uh, can work, the more obvious it is that it doesn't work. Uh, and the only thing, look at the coronavirus thing. What was the solution to doing that? People in the White House, President Trump's uh, people, uh, they're looking at how do we do one rule that covers New York City, where there's a mm. tremendous outbreak of uh, this, and, and uh, South Dakota, right? I mean, it's crazy to have the same rule of shutdown or who's open and what you're allowed to do. Uh, they, they're different. So whatever the reason, uh, President Trump said, let the states uh, mainly do it, uh, all right? He was forced into that action. There's no other way to do it. President Biden comes in with the main thing that he is going to create one rule. He hasn't done it, all right? And if he does, <laughs> there's going to be a revolution. I mean, you're not... People in South Dakota know that you don't need to be wearing masks uh, outdoors uh, when it's 20 degrees below zero, all right? I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to give it. New York City... It's different. New York City's going to need more restrictive rules than South Dakota is. I'm sorry. Uh, and that is the, the fact, the reality. Uh, in fact, within New York State, uh, I lived in a little town outside of Syracuse when I went to Syracuse University. It doesn't need the same rules New York City does. It's all rural. And, so the founders, whether they came across it, although they reached into English history. The uh, idea of dividing power works. Centralizing it, normally talk about abuses that come. I'm just talking main running things, all right? <laughs> uh, and, and of course, the abuses are on top of that, too. And 
when you have that kind of system, it's much easier since nobody can see what you're doing in the middle of the rock of Gibraltar. Uh, the temptation to do bad things is there. Uh, and we see, I mean, look at the FBI. The FBI used to be the ideal of the bureaucracy. And the main fault of it was, and the public administration people that I look at have written this for years, if you complicate the mission of the, the bureaucracy needs simple mission. When you give it a simple mission, like the military hat, go out and kill them and beat them, all right? That's a pretty simple idea, all right? Now, how you do it is complicated. But you, you give the same kind of thing to, you know, make everybody have a job or make everybody uh, rich. I mean, this is, they can't do these things. Yeah. But anyway, uh, got a little no. off subject. I, that, that's okay. I think if, I, if I'm tracking with you, I think uh, uh, it seems to we can boil it down to kind of three points of like what, what could change. There's the, so much of what you're saying sounds like the same problems I think every large organization struggles with. I mean, there's the problem of mission drift where your organization, whether it's public or private, a nation or a university, uh, it begins with a core mission. There's a reason this thing began. In the, for, for the United States, I would argue that uh, the Constitution is that definition of the mission for the federal government. This is what the, the federal government is, uh, is empowered to do. I'm of the camp that thinks the Constitution is a limiting Thing. It's not that if it's not in the Constitution, we can do it. We should read it the opposite direction. If it's in the Constitution, we can do that. And everything else, uh, Amendment 10 leaves right back to the states. Uh, it's, it's pretty clear. But secondly, that uh, in if we could have a bureaucratic administration that actually was governed with a goal of excellence... Then and if you fail to meet excellence, then you should be replaced by someone who can be more excellent. Which, as a side note, would certainly solve a looming job crisis amongst young professionals who are entering the job market. Not that they necessarily want to go into bureaucratic administration, but if those are jobs that are held by people who have been career bureaucrats who are actually very bad at their jobs, bring in some new folks and see if see if they can meet those standards. But then thirdly, I think you've done a you've given us a great picture uh, or a reminder of the fact that the federal system of government as originally designed is I mean that is the heart of the American experiment. The idea that the at most concerns can and should be addressed locally. The state is the primary unit of government for the United States. Uh, that too is a less than popular view uh, these days, but uh, but that really only a few I, I Love that you gave us that number 18. We might have to do a future conversation about like discussing those 18 tasks in the Constitution. But they're, uh, but really, I mean, if you can, sl- if we could slim down the U.S. federal government to doing 18 jobs and everything else is tossed to other, either to the private sector or to the states, uh, we would see that would be a dramatically reduced government, and I would imagine a much less expensive government mm-hmm. as well. Of course, it'd be less expensive. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's a good chance something like that's going to happen. Maybe not that dramatic. I mean, but but look, the so-called entitlements, uh, the, the health and the social security, uh, it's never going to be politically possible to get rid of them, even though they're not in the Constitution. Well, I, I'd like to see uh, an amendment to the Constitution that says we can do those things. All right? Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and let the federal government do them, but then we should get rid of the other thing. I mean, there's no education requirement uh, for the or power for the federal government. 
I mean, it doesn't belong there, right? It doesn't it's, even belong the state level. Uh, and a lot more of it should be private. The great Charles Murray has a wonderful book called uh, In Pursuit of Happiness uh, about how putting even uh, government into the lowest level uh, just totally messes up. In fact, giving money to schools ruins them, uh, any kind of money. But, but anyway, uh, get rid of education, get rid of all so many other things that and labor, what do we mean labor uh, up at the federal level? Maybe a little uh, interstate commerce. Why do we have interstate commerce, really, when things go between states rather than calling everything interstate commerce? <laughs> there are so many things, but but I think that reality is enforcing. It took 100 years. It's a long time to, to break down. It just slowly over time and got more and more ossified. And we're going to have to be some major changes. And I mean, that's clear from the left, too. They know something dramatic. You know, Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, he knows this doesn't work, all right? Now, he thinks socialism worked. It never worked anyplace else, but, but he no knows one else that has it gotten isn't it right. working. Bernie right. Sanders could get it right. I mean, Cuba hasn't gotten it right. Russia didn't get it right. England didn't get it right. But but Bernie Sanders, I, he thinks he could get it right. I mean, who knows? Uh, well, but at least he knows that the present system isn't working. <laughs> That's true. That's well, true. Almost everybody knows that deep down. It's not working, which is why people are so angry and so divided. Well, uh, Russell Kirk wants to find politics as uh, the art of the possible. And uh, I, I appreciate your willingness to come on the show today where we can discuss the art of the possible and what is what, what's not working and what could be working. Uh, and, and hopefully that gives our listeners a, uh, a better sense of uh, what a positive road forward could look like. Uh, if we're kind of focusing on what's the mission and how do we have the uh, people enacting that mission for the government at the at the highest levels of excellence. Well, listeners and uh, viewers, thank you for joining us today for another conversation on The Optimistic Curmudgeon. I'm your host, Josh Herring. My guest today is Dr. Don Devine. The book is The Enduring Tension, Capitalism, and the Moral Order. You've been listening to another conversation on The Optimistic Curmudgeon. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at optimisticcurmudgeon2021 at gmail.com. You can find us on all major social media sites. I'll list three. Uh, we're on Twitter at OptimisticC3, on Instagram at OptimisticCurmudgeon2021, and Facebook at facebook.com slash the-optimistic-curmudgeon. You can find our show notes, guest bios, and all episodes stored on our website, optimisticcurmudgeon.org. Until next time, seek the good. Love the true and pursue the beautiful.